Today we're continuing our series talking about God's resetting our lives. And this is the third in the series. We talked about faith over fear. We talked about how we need to come together in unity and get rid of the prejudice in our life and the judgmental attitude. And today our focus is, is on the church. Let the church be the true church. Our scripture reading is taken from Acts chapter 2. I encourage you to take out your Bible at home or wherever you are and look up Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. It's a great passage of scripture. It summarizes in a very concise way what the New Testament church should be all about. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42, Luke's the writer and he says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions, their belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day by those who were being saved. A recent Rasmussen poll found that more Americans listed churches and houses of worship as their number one priority, more than mass gatherings, more than concerts, more than schools and even restaurants reopening. People are hungry to get together and worship and their houses of worship. But we have to take the heart of the issue of safety and good sanitary practices very carefully as we consider when it's time for us to gather once again. But until that time, we need to be praying and searching our hearts as well as the scriptures to get back to the heart of what the church really is all about, the vision and mission of the church. What is God saying to us as a church at this time? Well, this is a wake-up call. This COVID-19 is God speaking to us. He's speaking to the culture, but he's also speaking to the believers and he's speaking to the church. And he's saying in Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, Paul ends this chapter saying this, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is near to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. What's really important? What are the simple things the church can do to avoid being distracted. I don't know about you, but I get so wrapped up in doing the programs here at church sometimes and the content to provide for those programs that I'm not always present in the moment. I sometimes don't take time to talk to someone or relate to someone like I should and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead. And I'm burdened at times by so many that are seemingly apathetic to spiritual things. It breaks my heart to see people heading toward an eternity without God and missing out on what God intended them to be created to do in this life. God wants us to do a new thing. 
And he wants to do that new thing in us. And he wants us to do a new thing in our church. And that's why he said in Isaiah 45, behold, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I believe there he's talking about in the future when he sets up his millennial reign and deserts will spread flowers all over it and it'll be a irrigated place. But he wants to do new things in different chapters of our hearts and our lives. And this is a new chapter when we gather together very soon. I think of the concept in the New Testament about wineskins. And he talks about how you shouldn't put new wine in old wineskins because they'll swell and break. They don't have the elasticity. It says in Mark chapter two, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. So as we prayerfully consider gathering together soon and we resume uh, the opportunity to have ministries going on here. May we think of new and fresh ways of doing ministry, different methods than we've done before. We cannot come back to church and do the same things as we've always done. And I, I sympathize with those who are nostalgic and enjoy the things of yesteryear, even in the last year. But we're going to be more involved in doing the digital church, offering things throughout the week for a group of people that are in our church, but many outside of our church. And coming in May, we're gonna have some Facebook interviews and prayer times on Facebook Live. And we're getting ready to do some of those things. And Austin's already been doing the Tuesday night living room session. So we just encourage you to think about how we're gonna do things in a different way. And everything will do the same and different will be aligned with our vision and mission of the church. Some things will come back and some won't, but the vision and mission of the church are what our focal point will be, our determining factor. And I hope that we'll have more community involvement beyond Serve Sunday. And that's why I'm wearing this shirt today. It says the church has left the building. And I hope that when we gather on Sunday and we leave and actually leave a building, that we go out and we're ambassadors for Christ out in our culture. God is calling us as part of this church family to reset our lives and reset how we're going to do things going forward here at Pleasant View Baptist Church. I want to share briefly today 10 things why the church is so important and needful because it has so much eternal value. And that's why we need to share these values, but also apply them to our own hearts and lives. I'm totally convinced after 35 years of ministry that a person cannot be an emotionally healthy, spiritually mature Christian if they're not faithfully attending the local church, a Bible-believing church. What is the goal of the Christian life? Well, you see on your outline today at the very top of those rectangles, to be like Jesus. That's our goal. Progressive sanctification, to be made in the image of Jesus Christ. And every day we get closer to heaven, we should be a little bit more like him because it talks about our sin. The old things are fading away. The new things are coming in in 2 Corinthians 
And as we become like Jesus, we need the local church more and more. The church is the most important vehicle for us to grow spiritually in our lives. Yes, we need personal time alone. Yes, Bible study fellowship, community Bible study, those things are great. But ultimately, everything that you need is here in the local church as well. And those supplement those things. So the goal in life is to be like Jesus. You see that in your outline. But first of all, the first block you see there at the top is the great commandment. The great commandment. We start out with the great commandment, the Shema. And then Jesus adds some additional words to it. Well, what is the Shema? Well, it's based in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it tells us here in Mark 12, verses 29 and 30, what the Shema is. The most important is this, Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he adds this. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus is summarizing the Ten Commandments here. The first four of the Ten Commandments deals with our relationship with God. No graven image. Worship him only. And on and on it goes. The fifth commandment deals with honoring our parents, our father and our mother. That's kind of the hinge pin. And then he moves to the last five where he's talking about the relationship with other people on this earth. And so he wants us to make sure that our vertical relationship with God is right, so then our horizontal relationship with people is what it needs to be. But we're to do it out of a heart of love, not out of duty, not out of because we have to, but because we love God and because of all that he's done for us. The church is to be about the business of exalting God and caring for our neighbor as we want to be cared for. The golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so we want to maintain a good, healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. And in turn, that will help us to maintain healthy relationships here on earth. This is the great commandment. But then we're commanded as well to share the gospel with others because we have been born again. The second rectangle there is the great commission. We talked about the great commandment, now the great commission in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus, as he was about to leave earth and go to heaven, left this command, this commission to his disciples. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Unfortunately, and especially here in America, this has really become the great omission, if we're honest. This is a command for all believers. It doesn't mean you have to have the spiritual gift of evangelism to do it. We all have our own style. We have our own way of sharing the good news of Christ. Paul says that they cannot hear unless someone goes on behalf of God and shares the good news of what God has done in the believer's heart. It's really just as simple as sharing with someone how you came to Christ and how Christ has changed your life. It's just as easy as that. We don't have to candy coat all of our sins of the past and dwell on them. 
but we share the changes in our life and the sense of purpose and the peace with God and the peace of God that inhabits our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We're called to be those who in one way or another are makers of disciples. As we share Christ, we disciple that person who in turn will disciple someone else. And that was the full intent of the Great Commission. That evangelism and discipleship are merged together in one thought. So as we share the seed of the word of God, we must do it wherever we go. We must have the opportunity when it comes up to lead people to Christ and help them be able to take their next steps to grow and then to spur each other on to mature, to grow, to be all that God wants us to be. While the church is to exalt God in worship, we must also be his ambassadors as we carry out the ministry of reconciliation, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Then we see in the third rectangle, the two ordinances. The two ordinances of the church. Two things that Jesus commanded the church to do until he returns. One of those is communion, and we just celebrated that a few moments ago. It's a picture of Christ on the cross, and Jesus is our substitute. And we're to die to self and die to our sin and identify with Christ on the cross. And then baptism is for everyone who comes to faith in Christ. And then we follow baptism uh, because God commands us to because Jesus set the example when he had John the Baptist baptize him. And baptism from Romans 6 is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. As we go in the water, we say we've died to our sin and our old ways. And when we come up out of the water at baptism, we're raised to newness of life, just like Christ rose from the dead. And so under the auspices of a local church, these two ordinances, Jesus left for the leadership of the local church to practice. And then we see the communion of the saints, the next rectangle, the communion of the saints, fellowship, fellowship. Acts chapter two, verse 42, from our scripture reading, just verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Notice that word devoted there in verse 42. They committed themselves. They made it a faithful practice. The word fellowship here means much more than just being together. It means doing or having things in common. It could be talking about the material goods that they generously shared with those that were in need. And they put it in a common place to be distributed in the early church. The the concept of community is strong emphasis coming from the Jewish community. Since Christianity is a sect of Judaism, it's a big part also of the Christian life. There's three classical theories of community. And what makes up community? And sociologists have come up with three different things. First of all, structural functionalism. Society and community work well together when they have structure to it, when there's a hierarchy, when there's layers of authority, and everybody knows what their responsibility is. A second theory of community from sociology is the conflict theory. It means you're going to have tension and conflict because people think differently, but the good news is, is they identify those conflicts and those tensions, they come together creatively with ways to solve those issues and better the community that they're in. And then the third um, 
The third part of this is the symbolic interactionism. This is the solidarity, solidarity building. It's the common cause for the community to be united around one purpose, working in harmony together. It could be one particular neighborhood, one home association, or it could be parks and recreation, or whatever it is in the community, they have a common purpose, structure, conflict resolution, common cause. That's community defined in its purest terms. And we need to see that also in the church. Relationships are so important and are developed in biblical and emotionally healthy ways. God designed you and I from our creation for relationship. It's part of our DNA. He wants us to be rightly related with him, but he also wants us to be related well with our human beings that are around us. So we cannot be all God wants us to be if we're on this journey by ourselves. We're not smart enough. We're not wise enough. We have blind spots. We long for companionship. And that's why it's so important that we meet together on Sunday mornings. Why it's important to be in a connect group. Why it's important to use your spiritual gifts to work as a team and reaching out to others. Well, Luke continues this theme in this, in this section of scripture. The next thing we see is the common communal meal. The common communal meal. Look at verse 42 again. And they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The breaking of bread. I've looked at many commentaries and they all come out about the same. They say this is either a group of people who are believers gathered in their homes eating a meal together, and it could be that they share communion at the end of that meal. So it could be communion, it could be uh, having a meal together, it could be both. That's why, as I suggested in the announcements, digital dinners are suggested. We can't meet and go to other people's homes till a few more days, more than likely, but we could turn on our Zoom or FaceTime and we could share a meal and have interaction just as if we were sitting next to each other at a dinner table. The sharing of our time and being present with one another for a period of time in a relaxed manner is so important and missing in our society and churches. We're too busy to make community a high priority. The next rectangle we see is the common study of doctrine of doctrine, we see that in verse 42 again. Teaching and then the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. The center of the community in relationship to one another has to be the word of God. It has to be its consistent teaching. D.L. Moody, when he was in Chicago, he would have revival meetings and he usually would wait to the end of the week after preaching to have an invitation for people to come to faith in Christ. And he was preaching just before the Chicago fire came and he didn't give an invitation that week and then the fire came and he wept and he said that never again would he ever preach without giving an invitation for someone to come to faith in Christ because of the people that perished in that Chicago fire. I think about my wife and some events that we had as a youth pastor. And sometimes I would just get people together to play football or softball. And uh, my wife never liked it when I didn't take some time to share 
God's word because you never know if that's the last opportunity a person may have. Everything we do must come back to the word of God. And we are to look into the law of liberties it says in James 1. We're to look into the mirror of the law of liberty so that we're not just hearers of the word, but we see what we're supposed to do and then we are doers of the word. That's the Holy Spirit pointing things out as we read God's word. And then we're to make the change in our lives to be like Jesus. Too many times we live our lives the way we want to and we do what we want to do. And then we look to the Bible to kind of justify our behavior. We cherry pick verses instead of going to the word and letting the word change us to be like Jesus. Always read the word to gain knowledge, but also read the word for application on a daily basis. And then we see the connection through prayer. The connection through prayer. And we'll read this passage again, and I hope you'll get this ingrained because there's so many good things in here. But And they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We talked about that in the last three um, rectangles that we talked about. But now verse 43, in awe, came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, notice the commitment, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor. They were getting along with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Do you see the whole concept of community wrapped up in those verses, described in many different ways? They shared common possessions. They helped people in need by distributing those proceeds. They attended the temple together in worship. They had food together at a meal celebration with glad and generous hearts. And they got along with one another in unity. And then the Lord blessed them by adding people to their number who are being saved. It's interesting, the omission of and between fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer indicates that the last two activities are just a progression of all the others. They all go together. They're all equal. Very few things draw us together, though, like prayer. You know, it's interesting. You can't be mad at someone and sit down and pray with them. Prayer is the power source of the church. Praying for people's needs are important. Thanking God and recognizing who he is in prayer is so important. Praying for our church and its influence in people's lives and our church and community is very, very important. So some have said to use the acronym ACTS. A stands for adoration. C for confession. T for thanksgiving. S for supplication. Mike Fenley likes cats better. He likes the confession before the adoration. But however you do it, you don't need to learn how to pray. You pray, and that's how you learn to get better at prayer. I personally, myself, need to devote more time to personal prayer. But let's not miss that vital aspect in the church and in our personal lives. And then we see a very important one here, the spiritual gifts shared in community. 
the spiritual gifts shared in community in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. This whole chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts. In verse 7, he says, Paul does, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And then skipping down to verse 12, but for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free and all were made to drink of one spirit. This is where teamwork and ministry come together. This is the fun stuff where we come together as a team and each one of us has our own individual gifts and we pour out into the lives of other people and we get the privilege of seeing them grow. That's where you find joy. And that's also where you find difficulties in human behavior sometimes. People sometimes will let you down. They will respond in ways that you think they shouldn't. Sometimes you think they're gonna miss their potential. But ultimately, it's our job to be the messenger. It's up to God and that person to decide how they grow and how they follow Christ, allowing the Holy Spirit to do the maturing. Our faith is stretched as we share our spiritual gifts and share our love on people. We learn more by preparing to teach and preparing to minister to people than we do sitting back and being ministered to. It's a stretching experience, and by helping others, you're helping yourself. At the end of the day, we serve out of love. We serve out of humility, and we want to put others' interests into perspective. That's why I love what Paul says in Philippians 2. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Hey, we need to take care of ourselves first. We need to be emotionally healthy and spiritually mature, but we need to Go beyond that and be willing to give of ourselves out of love to others with the spiritual gifts that God has blessed us with. Each person brings a unique gift mix to the table and has influence in some people's lives that no one else can have. We are better together. And then the next to last one, we see the encouragement within the community. The encouragement within the community. Man, do we need encouragement? Do we need each other? Do we need words of affirmation said about us? In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I can't stress how important it is, those last two rectangles that we're gonna look at on this page. There are many times in my life I've thought about quitting and God brings someone along to encourage me and to give me hope. And I think the world around us with this COVID-19 has more people despondent, more people uncertain, more people seeking, more people have a sense of hopelessness and loneliness. And it's our opportunity to affirm them, to encourage them, even after the pandemic, as they're trying to rebuild their lives. As soon as, as soon people will start to come out as these restrictions are lifted, and uh, they're going to be insecure at first, and some will need to get used to social skills once again, especially with these new guidelines. Social distancing is going to be here to stay for a while. I'm sure at church we're going to do fist bumps or hit each other with elbows or just wave at one another. These are things we're going to have to get used to, to socialize in different ways. But we need to be filled with faith, hope, and words of encouragement. 
See, we're on the downside of this coronavirus, at least at this time period, it seems that way, and people are ready to get out and engage socially soon. So you and I, we need to be cheerleaders for those around us who need it. Let's look at the glass half full, expecting more, and put some positive words in people's lives going forward. The worst seems to be behind us, as I heard from the mayor this week and from the governor as well in her news conferences. The last thing, and very importantly, the last rectangle is the importance of accountability in community. The importance of accountability in community. Hebrews 10.25 says this, not neglecting to meet together. That means that we're faithful in our attendance at church and our corporate worship. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near, the day of Christ. We need to be together in worship. That's the number one priority for each family in our church. That's where accountability begins. Accountability is where people can help each other, speak into their lives, point out blind spots, be encouraging, as we said in the last point. We need to be around others who will speak the truth to us, who will be authentic and transparent, to be honest with us, as we try to match our lives up to the values and commitments of what God's word teaches. The next level of accountability beyond corporate worship is small groups. We call them connect groups for the adults. We call that Sunday school for the kids. We call that men's group on Thursday nights. We call that Awana and student ministry, age appropriate on Wednesday nights. And then there's a whole nother level of accountability that's even deeper and that's elders, ministry team leaders, deacons, deaconesses. In Proverbs 27, 17, it reminds us that iron sharpens iron. We need authentic and transparent relationships to help balance our lives. I like what Abraham Lincoln once said. He said, give me six hours to chop down a, cherry, chop down a tree and I will spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. We constantly need to be sharpening our ax so we can be the best tool in God's tool belt using our spiritual gifts to minister to people. Let's look how we can apply this message. I've touched on very briefly 10 reasons for you and I to be here on Sundays in order to grow and to be like Jesus. That's the goal of the Christian life, to glorify God, to become more like him and make disciples who make disciples. Here's our applications. When you have a relationship, you have community. And when you have community, you have relationship. The two are intertwined. When you have relationship, then you have community. And when you have community, then inside that community, you have people that are relating to one another. That's how it works. We see, second of all, the growing Christian is devoted to three things. And I think this is essential, to be as faithful in these three areas as possible to get the maximum potential for spiritual growth. That is to gather for corporate worship, to come and sing songs together, to hear the preaching, to be involved in offering and communion, and to fellowship with others on Sunday morning. Second of all, connecting together in community with scripture at the center. Our connect groups for adults, Sunday school, chaos student ministry, Awana, all those things are smaller groups 
focused on the word to build relationships together as we study together. And thirdly, caring by serving one another using your spiritual gifts. That's what we do. As we take it in, we should be like a sponge. The sponge absorbs water and then it's squeezed and the water comes out. As we gather for worship, as we study the word in connect groups, then it's our turn to use the knowledge that we've gained and the wisdom and to share it with others. And thirdly, where does the church fit with your priorities? Is it the number one thing that you set aside each week to make that the center focus? If you don't do anything else, your family's gonna be here at church. I truly believe that with our current culture and situation in society, many people stray away because they're not committed to these three principles in their life. Our key thought here as we prepare to leave or finish this message online today, the church, the big C, the universal church, and little c, the local church, is God's plan for every believer for spiritual growth. There are great pastors that I like to listen to that are not a part of our church. We can watch them or listen to them online, and that's fantastic, and that's the big church. But the little, the local church, the little c, is for uh, a, a group of believers to come together in harmony to minister in their community and grow together in Christ. So here's some questions to ponder this week as you think of this message. What have you noticed when you haven't been in church for a period of time with fellow believers? What do you notice about your life when you miss four or five, six weeks? Second of all, what is it that you appreciate about this church most of all? What is it that you appreciate about the church most of all? And if the church is the hope of the world, how are we sharing the benefits of this church and other churches with others? The best way to draw people in is to have a satisfied customer go out and share their positive experience. We have a lot of people who have been blessed by this church. And it's your opportunity to go out and to share with them what you've witnessed and experienced through God's working in this local body of believers. And so I challenge you this week to share with others, whether on a telephone call, whether it be on Zoom or some other way, to share with them what you appreciate about your church and what it could do to benefit their lives. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we come before you and we're grateful that you've brought the institutions of the home, of the government, but also the local church. It's your plan for evangelism and discipleship around the world. And where worship doesn't exist, that's where missions is because people need to hear the name of Jesus Christ and to come to know him and then become disciple makers. And so, Lord, as we um, gather together here in church in a few weeks physically, we pray that we would be the church, the true church, that we renew our commitment to the vision and missions of the church. And, Lord, just help us as we think through this list of things this week. What is it that I need to grow in and be more devoted to as I prepare to come back and physically be a part of Pleasant View 
Baptist Church in the days to come. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>